we have a good time here. Yeah. Jesus is here. Healing rain is falling down. God is on the throne. Everybody made it past the new year. If if you survived 2019, raise your hand. All right. I was thinking about New Year's resolutions. How many of you already broke your resolutions? Didn't make any. Well, I made some. I made some that I, I thought I might be able to stick with. I decided that for 2020, I'm going to eat. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to work. Me and Randy are going to ride our motorcycles. I'm going to love everybody in Jesus' name. And I'm going to try not to die. Nevertheless, I live. Hallelujah. What matters? That's one of those things that we, uh, we wonder about. We spend a lot of our lives doing things and wondering if they really matter. And sometimes... Did you ever get fooled thinking you were doing something that mattered and found out it didn't? Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Father, as we come to you this morning, as we come to your word, thank you that you're already here. Thank you that your spirit is in the house. Thank you that that healing rain has fallen even now. It hasn't stopped. Let it wash through our hearts. Let us receive from you. Show us what matters. We'll be so careful to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. What matters? Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What advantage does man have in all his work, which he does under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also the sun rises and the sun sets, and hastening to its place it rises there again. Blowing toward the south, then turning toward the north, the wind continues swirling along, and on its circular courses the wind returns. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. All things are wearisome. Man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun.
Now, we know that there's nothing new under the sun, but we don't have to have the same kind of attitude that Solomon had. He was kind of backslidden about this point. He'd made a lot of bad decisions, the wisest man that ever lived. But he didn't always do wise things. And he arrived at a place in his life where he had, you know, this is one of those guys you wouldn't want to meet on the subway. Hey, how you doing? And then they tell you. You've met people like that. you met people that you don't want to ask them how they're doing. They're going to tell you. Some people will just let the air out of your balloon, amen? <clears throat> we need to have a better report. We have to understand what matters and what doesn't. The Bible tells us about some things that, uh, that matters. It tells us about some things that don't. When do we get our fill? When do we get our fill of experiences? Ecclesiastes 1.8 says, All things are wearisome. Boring. Man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. Experiences. We have a lot of people that run to and fro looking for a new experience. Buzz junkies. And we think that those people are just in the world, but they're in the church too. Sometimes something dynamic will happen in the kingdom of God, and everybody runs to this place or everybody runs to that place. And I guess there's some merit in that. But I've known a lot of people that ran someplace and came back, and there wasn't a whole lot changed. And I always kind of scratched my head and understood something. If God's doing something somewhere else, how come He can't do it here? Is that a valid question? I think it is. I think God wants to move dynamically in each one of our lives wherever we're at. We're going to go to a revival. Why don't we just be a revival? Why don't we just be a revival? If it ain't in here, it ain't out there. So when do we get our fill of experiences? Those new things that are supposed to get us all pumped up and keep us that way. Doesn't work. It's been my experience. How, how about you? You remember that new thing that you don't care for anymore? How many of you got new things in your garage that you hadn't seen in six years? Hey, preaching to myself. No satisfaction in work. Ecclesiastes 4.8, There was a certain man without a dependent, having neither a son nor a brother, yet there was no end to all his labor. Hmm. Indeed, his eyes were not satisfied with riches, and he never asked, What am I doing all this stuff for? Vanity. Work yourself to death. What was that old song they used to sing in the 
60s, work your fingers to the bone, what do you get? Bony fingers. Bony fingers, yeah. There's a lot of people that get so busy making a living they forget to make a life. There are some things that are important, but it isn't your job. Jobs are good, amen? I think everybody ought to have one, unless you're retired and independently wealthy. But there are priorities, and there are things that matter. And it's not just about how much money can I gather, how much can I build up. There's no satisfaction in that either. Ecclesiastes 5.10 No satisfaction in the accumulation of wealth. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. You can take that to the bank. (laughs) Slid that right in there, didn't I? And he who loves abundance with its income, this too is vanity. I never ever heard anybody say, I've made enough money, I'm going to quit now. I know a lot of people that ought to retire, thought about retiring, but they are afraid that they won't have enough money. Who's taking care of you? Who's taking care of you all this time? Is he your source and supply, or isn't he? God will get you through times of no money better than money will get you through times of no God. So there's no satisfaction in the accumulation of wealth. You're never going to have enough money. Amen? How many of you ever thought you had extra money? You know know what an illusion that is. Oh, I got some extra money now. What Susie said, you're going to the hospital, I'm going to the mall. That's where the extra money goes. Ecclesiastes 6 and 7. No gratification in appetites. Oh, I wish you hadn't said that, Brother Mike. All a man's labor is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not satisfied. I still want to eat. I tried to wean myself off of food one time. It didn't work. Uh, But some people... Live to eat. A friend of mine rides a motorcycle. He's got a beret that says, Ride to eat and eat to ride. That's a joke. It's also my beret. (laughs) But you can work yourself to death just to feed your belly. And find out that that's really not where it is. The world's got it though. If I could just get this, if I could just get that, then everything would 
What was it you said this morning? Peachy. Everything be peachy. Will it? Isaiah 55 and 2. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. There are some good things to, in the world and there are some things we shouldn't mess with. Young people, that's anybody under 60. 70. Okay, sorry. I saw those looks. Somebody asked me, said, uh, you have a youth group at your church? I said, yeah. <laughs> the world's got a lot of things that are nothing but traps. Just like God has a plan and purpose for your life, I guarantee you, the devil has a plan and a purpose for your life. I have a sermon I preach from time to time. It's called, What in Hell Do You Want? Because the devil will put it out like a smorgasbord for you. And if you follow him, he'll take you straight to hell. For all you shoppers, there's no pleasure in squandering. Are you listening, Susie? I have a license. It's okay. Luke 15 and 14. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. You know what happens when you go out and squander everything? You run out of money. You run out of money. And you have that immediate buzz that you get from buying your stuff. But if you don't have enough to put peanut butter on your bread, you may have shot a little more than you should. There's no pleasure in that. And these are the things that the world throws at us. These are the enticements that are before us. And none of the things that the world says that we must have and that we must do is ever going to satisfy us. So what do we do? Just walk around sour like Solomon was? Well, I tried this and I tried that. None of it works. It's all vanity. Vanity of vanities. We have to go to the place that has the potential of fulfilling our deepest needs. And there's only one place that's going to get us there. There's only one that works. Spiritual fullness. Spiritual Fullness is where it's at. I guarantee you, if you're full in your spirit, everything else is going to line up. Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. 
You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Can you say that your cup overflows today? Is that your testimony? Do you want that to be your testimony? Because that's where it's at. That's what counts. That's what works. When God fills your cup. Hallelujah. When God fills your cup, it's a lot better than when you fill your cup. I want the overflowing cup. You want the overflowing cup. You want God to pour in. Luke 6.38 says, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's what I want from God. That's what you want from God. You want Him to fill you up. To overflow and so that when you walk by somebody, some of it gets on them. Amen? The overflowing cup. Fullness of blessing. Malachi chapter 3, everybody grab your wallets. It's powerful scripture. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Hallelujah. We were talking about this at breakfast yesterday, weren't we, Randy? Somebody asked me one time, they said, I don't know about that tithing stuff. I don't know if that works. Matter of fact, I can't afford to tithe. I said, I can't afford not to. And it's the one place in Scripture where God says, test me in this. He don't want you pushing His buttons a whole lot, you know, but He says it right here. Test me in this and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't even contain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He can do a whole lot more with my money than I can. What do you do with your money? Hmm. You answer that. I don't want to hear it. Test me now and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. Hallelujah. I want God's windows open over me. You want them open over you. You want Him to pour out that blessing. And He's ready to do it. God is ready to do it. When God makes you a promise, He's going to keep it. Amen? All the promises of God in Him are yea and in Him, amen. It doesn't say all the promises in Him is no and maybe. Yea and amen. Hallelujah. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. When you seek the Lord, when you seek the Lord in His righteousness, He said, all these things will be added unto you. What's your definition of all these things? Everything that you need. Everything that you need. It may not be material. I would submit to you 
that if you don't have everything that you need in your spirit, there isn't enough stuff outside to fill up the hole. But God will fill the hole. God will give you everything. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I want to be satisfied. You want to be satisfied. And God will make sure that you are when you look for Him, when you look to Him. He'll take care of you. Those are things that matter. John 15 and 11, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. If I understand that correctly, I don't even need my joy. He'll give me His joy and it'll fill me up so much I won't worry about where mine's at. How many of you ever sang that song, The Joy of the Lord is My Strength? Is it? Needs to be. You can make it your strength. If you trust Him, if you call on Him, He's going to answer you. He's going to fill you up. He's going to fill you with His joy. That's what I want. I want the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. It's your strength. And you can have the fullness of joy that's not dependent upon circumstances. We kind of condition everything by what's happening around us. I think we let too much of our environment influence who we are in our core. But I'm telling you, if your core is in God, He'll take care of that. And He'll make sure that you've got that fullness of joy that overcomes circumstances, that rises above the circumstances. So instead of being under the circumstances, like a lot of people are, you can be above them on an elevated platform, a rarefied platform that's been prepared for you from the foundations of the world by God Himself. Hallelujah. Fullness of joy. Book of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19 say this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. I've never met anybody that was full of God that was complaining about it. 
Now to be full of the Lord. To be lost in worship. You know, all those things that may have bothered you before you even came in the church. How many of you came to church this morning and there were some things that were chewing on your brain pan before you got here? It's okay, raise your hand. I'm not going to point you out. It happens. We live in a world. Bad things happen to good people. And sometimes you come in and you've got these weights. You've got these things that are, you know, causing you to wonder and think about. And, and you say, oh, I'm going to pray about that as soon as I quit worrying. <clears throat> but if you're full, if you're full of God he'll help you to put those things in proper perspective I would submit to you this morning that by the time that praise and worship was over you probably weren't thinking a whole lot about those things why? because God was here and he was moving powerfully by his spirit and he came and he invaded your space and you weren't worried about those things they're they're still going to be there But that wasn't your focus. Your focus was on Him. The fullness of God. The fullness of God. Can I be so full of of God that I'll be just like God? Probably not. But you can take a cup and dip it in the ocean... And you can fill that cup up. Now, it's not full of the ocean. Well, it kind of is, but the whole ocean isn't in it. you got all you can contain. That's what God wants for you. That's what He wants for me. He wants me to have. He wants you to have all that you can contain. He's not stingy with it. He's not stingy with it. Ephesians 5, 18-21 Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to to one another in the fear of Christ. Let that Spirit in. Let the Spirit of God in. Let Him fill you to where you run out of words to be able to describe how much you appreciate Him. Hallelujah. Sounds like Pentecost to me. That's what it is. When you run out of words... And you are so overwhelmed with His presence. And He's pouring into you. And you can't contain it. It just starts to bubble up inside you. And pretty soon, you may be singing to somebody in the Spirit. Fullness of the Spirit. I need it. You need it. The church needs it. fullness of wisdom 
For this reason also, Colossians 1, 9-14. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to the glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Did you know you were qualified? Some of you may have spent some time telling yourself how qualified you weren't. You need to throw that testimony out. Listen to what God says about you. He says you're qualified. He says you're going to make it. He says that you, you are more than qualified to do what He's called you to do. To share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Qualified. For he rescued us. He rescued us. I didn't save me. You didn't save you. It was for freedom that Christ has set me free. He did it. I didn't do it. He did it. You didn't do it. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transformed, transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have Redemption and forgiveness of sin. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so glad that my sin doesn't follow me anymore. Which sins are you talking about, Brother Mike? All of them. All of them. Forgiven. Set free. The enemy will lie to you. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I know for a fact that he's whispered in some of your ears that you're still guilty. He's a liar. Jesus Christ has delivered you from the kingdom of darkness. The Lord promised more than once in His Word that He's taken your sin 
It's time for the church to start believe that. God says He's removed my sin as far from me as east is from west. Hallelujah. I'm glad He didn't say, I've removed your sin as far as north is from south. Why does that matter? Because if you start going east today, and you walk until your legs fall off, you're still going to be going east. But if you start going north today, you're going to meet the North Pole sooner or later, and then you're going to be going south. God didn't remove your sins as far as north is from south. That's a finite point. He moved them as far as east is from west, and you're never, ever, ever going to meet that sin again. Give it up. Surrender to the King of glory. And know that those sins don't belong to you anymore. And let me tell you something else. When God says, I forget your sins, He's not like us. Hallelujah. You can't forget anything. You ever have anybody say, I forgive you, but I won't forget you? When God says, I forgive you, He forgot it. It doesn't happen anymore in His kingdom. I can't forget, you can't forget, but you can forgive because that's what God gave you. The ability to forgive. And if you'll trust in Him, if you'll believe in Him, if you'll understand that He's going to handle everything, you can forgive people. Even some of the most hurtful things. And if you live long enough, something hurtful is going to happen. And you have a chance to be bitter or better. God holds out the vehicle for getting better. It's called forgiveness. And if we trust Him, He'll take care of it. He'll handle it. In the year just gone by, the world has been writing history. Not with ink only, but with blood and tears. Not in the quiet of the study, but in violence, terror, death in city streets, along the borders of nations. And other, milder, more significant history has been written in the wonderful and terrible things that technology has brought us in the 21st century. It's all being written. To each one of us that were fortunate enough to survive and lived out 2019, God gave each one of us 365 days. You can break that down to 8,760 hours. Of those hours, 2,920 of them, you spent sleeping. Some of you more. You probably spent about the same number of hours at work. 
and an equal number of hours has been given to us to spend in preparation for the moment when days and hours won't mean anything anymore. In Psalm 90, verse 12, there's a prayer of Moses. And I can't think of anything more appropriate for us as we go into 2020 to pray a very simple prayer. Thinking about what matters. Thinking about what doesn't matter. Teach us to number our days that we may get us a heart of wisdom. Easy prayer. Simple prayer. Teach us to number our days that we may get us a heart of wisdom. That we may learn to count what matters and what doesn't. 2020 is going to be a wonderful year. Maybe a very decisive year. If you're a child of God, it may be your best year yet. You believe it? Do you receive it? Father, it's that simple. Teach us to number our days so that we may get us a heart of wisdom. Help us to count what matters and what doesn't. Help us to throw out the bad and cling to the good. Help us to come to you as our source and supply for everything that comes our way. Help us to look for your hand in everything around us. I believe that if we look for you in everything, we'll see you in everything. As we stand on the precipice of this new year, Lord, teach us to number our days. We'll be so careful to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Brother Jackie.